Welcome, everybody, to a long-awaited episode of Wrestling is Everything is Wrestling podcast. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by my tag team partner in life, in wrestling, in music, and dancing, and food, and everything else. The five-time champion, Tom Nix from San Antonio. Five-time, 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 five-time WCW champion, sucker. <laughs> Can you dig that, Saka? Oh my god, Tom! It's so good to be talking with you again. It's been a little good while. It's been a style. few, yeah. It's been a few years since we've done the wrestling podcast with our mm-hmm. with our um, our our life mate Mike Pertill. But I mm-hmm. know he's he's living it up on the West Coast, Samoa Joe mm-hmm. territory. Mm-hmm. Huntington Beach represent. Fuck you, Tito Ortiz. right 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 and we are here today to bring wrestling is everything is wrestling back to the forefront podcast form we're on spotify we're on itunes we're on amazon we're on all that good stuff but we as you know if anybody's listened to the show or any of the other shows like my bloody podcast the celebrity hour uh no bs with brian and susan you know that me personally i'm a very in very big into it i'm really passionate about pro wrestling as well as tom is tom nicks and i've been to many shows together live shows we traveled together yes all S- kinds of shows we've been to like indie wrestling together we've been to wrestlemanias together like we've been all around the world from wrestling we saw right. new japan together we saw ring of honor together we saw wrestle circus together Yes. No, it's crazy. We've we've been from the very bottom where there's been like 50 people at a show to all the way to when there's over 100,000 people at a show yep. and sometimes in the same day. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it happened and it's going to continue to happen. And we bring this back today because, you know, over the last few years, wrestling is everything to us. However, I think over the last at least like last year, or even the last three years, We've been enjoying wrestling, but there's been something missing. There's been something that's just not quite put us over edge or overexcited like we used to be until this past Sunday, until this Labor Day Sunday came around and AEW, All Elite Wrestling, their pay-per-view All Out was aired on Fight TV and on uh, Bleacher Report. And after that, you know, Tom and I just spoke, you know, just very little bit about it until today where we were just like, oh, my God, we really need to bring the show back. This is bringing back the show back together. So we're going to talk about all out. We're going to talk about what wrestling means to us now, what it mean, what it meant to us then. Uh, is this correct, Tom? Is this what, was what we're talking about? We're talking about everything wrestling, because I, I feel like I feel like and I haven't felt like this in years, like maybe two decades but I feel like wrestling is right on the verge of becoming cool again to people that don't care about it, you know? Um, and I think AEW had a lot to do with that. And obviously the landscapes changed a lot, but I haven't been this genuinely excited to watch wrestling every week than I, ha- than I am right now. And it has a lot to do with what AEW pulled off last night, what kind of show they put on, and all the little things they've been doing to kind of change the landscape of professional wrestling. Um, 
so I'm just really stoked right now because I just feel like I feel like genuine change is in the air and it's exciting to be alive during it. Yes, it's so it is. I agree with you so much. Um, I just want to tell all of our listeners, you know, it has been a while since the last Wrestling is Everything podcast. Like we it's been a few years. And I think maybe because, you know, our, our lives were happening and maybe just maybe some of these promotions might have become stale. There wasn't really much to talk about. Yeah, we were excited. Yeah, there are some good matches, but we just couldn't feel that spark that that lightning bolt of oh my god something is happening and when this sort of feeling happens everybody gets tingly everybody yep. gets overexcited and you just have a big smile from ear to ear grin that just you yes. can't stop talking about it so that and it, this brought us back tom nix brian clear back to the wrestling is everything pod so miss you to- mike Pertil, miss you every day Yes. Oh my God. We miss, we miss this. We did this, this sweet man. Uh, so let's talk a little, before we get into like the AEW pay-per-view all out, let's, let's talk about the state of pro wrestling as a whole. Like let, there's so many promotions in just a few seconds ago, Tom mentioned that him and I have gone to many promotions, wrestle circus, new Japan. We've been to you know, the indie stuff that you've never heard of, like Soar Championship Wrestling or... <laughs> Inspire uh, Pro. Yep. Yeah, Inspire Pro. All of these events that's kind of happening. And, you know, yes, I've been to WWE events, you know, e- before COVID and even after, e- even not during COVID, but when they allowed uh, yep. uh, people there as well as AEW events. So what there's what do you think about wrestling as a whole like from when we last recorded like over the last let's say three years but you know prior to covid and then during covid what 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 do you think about all these promotions is it good for wrestling to have so many is it good is it better to have fewer what do you think no it's 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 best to have as many as possible the wonderful thing about wrestling is why we named the show what we named it wrestling is everything um I want there to be promotions that are focused on, you know, more martial art stuff and like super realistic combat. I want there to be promotions that are focused on, you know, larger than life personalities and cool storylines. I want there to be promotions that are focused on having a giant bunny attack a giant crab. Like I want, I want that to be a thing. So the more, the more people that are creating wrestling in the marketplace the better it is for everybody because you have more options to get paid if you're a performer and you have more options to get seen. And there's more, there's more variation of content because, you know, I, I, I just love wrestling in all its forms. I don't, I mean, I have favorite promotions that I watch more, but I also want to be able to have the choice to watch something ridiculous and serious and you know athletic and comedic like i want to be able to be given the choice so the more the more promotions that survived the pandemic the better and unfortunately you know i think we you know like for instance i mentioned inspire pro they have rebranded they're now called inspire ad but they literally have not run a single show since january 2020 you know um they are in almost at 2 years without running a single show because covid shut their entire business down and i'm thankful they're still around i'm thankful they're still going to be doing stuff 
But um, really, the only people that 100 percent survived the pandemic were the people that had TV deals uh, because they didn't require an audience to get paid. So, um, you know, AEW, WWE, uh, to a minor extent, like MLW and GCW, they were still able to do what they were doing um, because they knew they had a fan base that could watch and they still had enough capital to pay wrestlers to show up without an audience. You know what I mean? Right, right. And I, I, I agree with you with the more wrestling promotions, the better. And just for those who are listening, a giant rabbit tacking a giant crab is just look it up. Kaiju big battle with EL at the end. <laughs> Thank you very much for existing and to make that possible for us. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, I need, I need promotions where like one of the biggest good guys in the company is a literal hamburger with bear claws. <laughs> This is true. The, the, yes. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree. I think what everybody's trying to do, even, you know, with my local SOAR championship pro wrestling, I love what they're doing. I love that they're geared towards little kids, but then they have their offshoot that's, you know, kind of hush hush where it's, you know, rated R and for adults only. Like there's something in wrestling for everyone, just yes. like Tom reiterated. It is, is just there's something in there. So with all of these, all of these promotions, all this talent floating around new talent, old talent um, up until all out this Labor Day, Sunday, 2021 has pro wrestling in general become stale over the last few years. Has it gotten better or has there been just kind of like, okay, we're just going through the motions possibly because of the pandemic or possibly just because we're not sure where the next stage is yet for pro wrestling. What do you think? I, I hesitate to say that it's been stale, but it's kind of been stale now. Granted, like, you know, I still watched virtually every dynamite during the pandemic uh, because that, that specific iteration of stale food was still pleasing to me. But it definitely still felt like, hey, we're spinning our wheels because wrestling is not the same without an audience, right? Uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling has been proving that for a long time, um, not only for the audience reason. They have audiences back now about half capacity, but because of how poorly Japan is holding or dealing with COVID, they've had their creative plans changed on a dime because people will get sick or they can't get travel from, from people that are living in the U.S. or whatever's happening. And New Japan used to be a promotion that I was extremely passionate about, one of the ones I followed the most closely. But given that COVID basically completely screwed up all their plans and it's been very difficult to navigate around it from a cohesive storyline perspective, a lot of my interest in that company has kind of waned over the last year and a half. And I've started watching other things um, because there's a limited amount of things you can do as a creative person when your plans get changed all the time. So like while individual episodes and individual things like uh, new Japan pro wrestling is still putting on spectacular high quality matches because they're really good at that. But I'm not as invested in the product because things change on a dime. Same with um, AEW over the pandemic was like, was I having a good time watching it? Yes, I was still having a good time watching it, but I knew that they were waiting on stuff to kick into full gear before they really started moving forward with massive storylines again. It just felt like, hey, this is fun wrestling. But, um, you know, the pandemic definitely was a challenge 
for almost every wrestling company, maybe with the exception of WWE, um, because with no audience, they had complete control over how people were cheered and booed and, you know, who they wanted to be over and all that stuff. So, but again, like uh, WWE and AEW are doing two different things. They're selling to two different audiences. They, they have a different business model entirely from each other. So to me, WWE had become stale before the pandemic. So during the pandemic, they were continued to be stale to me, but I think to them, they didn't really care that no one was there because they had a, uh, they had more opportunity to do the things they wanted to do and appeal to the audience they were trying to appeal to. Right, right. I believe, you know, even before the pandemic and during the pandemic, a place like WWE, as against many, maybe New Japan or AEW, I think what WWE did was, okay, we're they're so much bigger than every other promotion in by, almost by every magnitudes. way. Yeah, yeah by, by magnitudes. magnitudes. And so what are they trying to do? Okay, so we have the family angle. They're a PG product for the most part. And they're like, okay, we love our his- historical wrestlers. So we're going to bring somebody out and it's going to get a huge pop. It's going to get ratings. It's going to get money. They're going to sell shirts. And I think that's where it ends. I think that's where, okay, we're going to bring somebody back. They're going to come out and talk for five minutes, hype the crowd, sell shirts, sell merch. And then we might book them in a match once there's no long-term booking and there's no storyline. It's just, that's why I think a lot of people have become stale is because there is this, this like this guideline for WWE and other promotions. We're like, okay, we're going to bring somebody back. We're going to book it for a month to sell a movie, to sell a book or whatever. And then, the match means nothing. It might last five minutes. It might, might last 15 minutes, but nothing comes of it. And there's no story or character to really become infatuated with or bond with like you would somebody like AEW, where it's run almost pretty much by former wrestlers who really want to get the creative and storyline told in long-term booking, you know, as of recently, AEW, Chris Jericho and uh, a bat, great heel named MJF have been feuding for weeks and months. And it's still as fresh as it can be because they figured out how to tell a story for so long, unlike others. So that's where I agree with you, Tom. It has become stale. And yes. there's there's a match here and there that you're like, Oh, that was awesome. I like seeing this person and that person. That was a good match. But as a whole, you're just like, I don't care about any of this. You know, (laughs) I just like, I love no one knows where it's going. Like we know we've been trained for watching the product for as long as we have that. Like, yes, occasionally there's going to be a really, really good match, but that match exists in a vacuum because they don't know where the ultimate storyline is going to end a month from now, two months from now, they might just randomly choose to extend it or shorten it or replace somebody in it. Like things that things have happened so weirdly um, over there for such a long time that it's, it's, it's hard to really invest yourself in the story because you have basically been told that the story doesn't matter. It's all about, it's, it's all about the individual moments, regardless of whether or not those moments 
make sense together. Right, right. I agree. And I think a big part of the branding and the success is its audience, like you said. And this audience is not the same in almost any promotion. Like there is a different audience in WWE that is completely different from an audience in AEW. And you can see it and hear it on television. Mm -hmm. And if you're in person, you can see it and feel it and witness it happen. Same as New Japan, same as Big Battle Kaiju, Kaiju Big Battle, uh, and uh, anything else in AEW and all of that good stuff. So what is it about fans in the audience from a, like, let's say the top two right now, WWE yeah. and AEW, and we'll just throw in New Japan. Like, can I know you're really good with words, Tom, so can you explain like what the audience is in each promotion by like maybe way of like, where they like to shop or like maybe what movie they would like. Like, I'm just trying to think like the WWE audience is this movie and yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, so I can, but, but, but I've got a wrinkle to throw into your, into your thing here um, because I, I genuinely feel like um, so let's, 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 let's just stick with AEW and new Japan first. Cause I think they're very similar companies really in a lot of ways, AEW, is almost an offshoot of new Japan wrestling given because every person who started the company came from there directly and had been working there for years. So while it's obviously way more American, obviously it has a a totally different style and a totally different um, like mindset atmosphere. There's still a lot of things that are the same. Like everybody has a faction and we're really focused on long quality matches when they matter. Right? Like a lot of these things are holdovers from new Japan, new Japan and AEW are are professional wrestling companies that are selling a product to professional wrestling fans. Professional wrestling fans are people that want to see um, well-thought-out matches that have really good moments in them, but also tell a story. They're also people that uh, care about, to a certain extent, the personal lives of the wrestlers, and they, they want to see a complete story told through professional wrestling, even if sometimes that story is ridiculous, like the dark order is kind of ridiculous, but I love them to death anyway. Um, AEW's audience is fans of professional wrestling. I believe that WWE's audience is networks and companies that can license their content while they are technically performing to a crowd that company has shown that they have no interest in doing anything that makes that audience happy versus selling the rights to their content to people that will pay them tons of money like Saudi Arabia or Fox or or um, uh, NBC Universal or potentially Disney or potentially whoever it is. They are they are creating content to sell to licensors which is why they produce so much of it, which is why they have the same match over and over and over again. So they can basically, you know, get the idea that these people don't like each other. They're, they're selling it to people that do not know anything about professional wrestling. Um, so while there's still an audience for WWE, because a lot of it is the fact that WWE has been around for 40 years, uh, or at least in it's, it's in its current form, it's been around for almost 40 years. Right. So, right, right. Like, yeah. So, so there's a, there's a longevity there. Like if you grow up watching something, it's hard for you to stop watching it because you're reminded of when you love Macho Man or when you love Stone Cold or when you love The Rock. And obviously a lot of those people come back from time to time to kind of like 
reinvigorate your interest in the product, but they're not, they're not making a show for that audience, which is why, you know, you watch all out last night. It's the very first time CM Punk has wrestled in the wrestling ring in almost eight years. And the only match that you heard a CM Punk chant in was the match that CM Punk was in (laughs) because, because they know that audience knows that this company is listening to them and is making a show for them. So they don't have to make their opinions known at any given time just to be like, Hey, I'm here. Notice me where if you watch, you know, most uh, WWE programming over the last couple of years, you will hear chants for wrestlers that aren't in the match. You will hear chants like, you know, uh, like the whole, um, uh, you know, uh, give, uh, give Naomi a chance or uh, divas revolution or whatever it is. Like, the audience has to constantly make itself be known, hoping that it's heard. Where in AEW, they don't like you've I've never heard a what chant once ever <laughs> in AEW. <laughs> right, right. Because, I mean, because, because because the audience feels like it's being mutually respected. You know, it doesn't always get what it wants. You know, like uh, Hangman Adam Page in the Dark Order lost that match and it was super deflating. But we trust them enough to know there's a story. So we go along with it and we don't you know, make a big fuss out of it. Right. And he said it perfectly. Uh, you beautiful listeners out there. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Like you go to a WWE match and it's like kind of almost pandemonium. It's yeah. just like, there's chance. And you're just like, why are we chanting this? This is stupid. Yeah. This is dumb. <laughs> it has no way to de- deal with what's actually happening in the ring. Uh, other than that, I think people are there because, they've been let down so long for so long for so many times that they just like, okay, this, I don't know where we go from here. So in AEW, they're just doing things right. And that's, uh, and I'm not going to say right because, because again, like there are, there are fans of everything, right. For my specific taste, someone who grew up watching wrestling, but really got into it in his adult life and not his child life, where it was just like a fun thing to watch when you were a kid. Most of my watching has been when I was, you know, a functional adult. I have a very specific taste for pro wrestling and AEW is hitting those cylinders by giving me a product that I want. And also, you know, when I cheer for stuff or when the audience cheers for stuff, it generally affects the booking in a positive way. It's like, oh, you guys like Orange Cassidy? Cool, we're going to put him on TV. Like, we're not going to make him champion because we don't want him to be that. Or we're not going to do, like, you know, bend over backward to give him give you everything you want. But, hey, do you like this person? Cool, he's on TV, you know, he's on TV every week at least. So you can enjoy him and you can enjoy the things you enjoy. Thanks, we're going to go back to Kenny Omega now, right? Like, right. That's, all, that's all you need is just if the audience likes somebody, put them on television so you can make money, but that's Correct. not, but that's, but that's not that's, the way it works everywhere. Right. And when I say that AEW is doing it right, I really do mean that they're doing it right because let's just compare AEW's all out and then mm-hmm. WWE's last pay-per-view SummerSlam, SummerSlam. <laughs> because the two had mm-hmm. a lot in common. They had mm-hmm. big matches. They had, uh, you know, AEW had better storylines, but the two arguably had, uh, they both had um, vintage wrestlers come out, but yep. they also had the gimmick, uh, not gimmick, but the the twist of huge, huge, huge people returning to the Surprise ring. returns, right. Yes. yes. Yeah. And 
we saw it happen with SummerSlam with Becky Lynch and WWE kind of like shot their basketball, but like it went over the net in the hoop and like the backboard, like they just Mm -hmm. completely botched it. Whereas with AEW and all that, which we'll get to, they did it perfectly, like Mm -hmm. perfectly. And that's why I say AEW is doing it right. And WWE has done it wrong. Cause I feel like even a, somebody who, watches religiously wrestling and somebody who maybe have watched it 30 years ago and got back into it and watched both programs. I cannot see somebody preferring SummerSlam to this all out. Like I just can't, I can't see it like Mm -hmm. not enjoy it as much. The only, but the, and I think this is what WWE's business model is. The only reason I can see someone preferring SummerSlam to AEW would be that they recognize the people in SummerSlam. Like John Cena was there and Roman Reigns was there and Goldberg was there and Brock Lesnar was there and Becky Lynch was there. People that they know were in the matches so they have a better through line to it. You know, um, there was some statistic that I read the other day um, because people keep talking about AEW versus WWE as true as competition, which again, we can get to. But like, um, if you Google search Roman Reigns, and then you Google search Kenny Omega, the disparity between those searches is massive in terms of more people are looking about Roman Reigns than Kenny in every single country in the world, except Japan, <laughs> where, right. where, 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 where Kenny Omega is vastly outsearched by, 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 by Roman Reigns. And like, that's why WWE is still doing what it's doing is because even if they're not focused on anything, they are just counting on, Oh, you know who Roman Reigns is. Therefore you will watch his match versus if you turn to AEW, I do think a wrestling fan would like that show a lot more, but I think that a person that is new to wrestling or isn't quite there yet might be hesitant with, with certain exceptions because they just don't know anybody on the card because nobody is famous except for CM Punk right now. Right. And the compete sec, the compete sub section of WWE versus AEW is very interesting because they're not competing. They're not, this is not WCW and WWE. This is, this is a company that has their shows on different nights of the week for the most part, Mm -hmm. different times, Mm -hmm. very different style of wrestling as opposed to WWE. They're not having the same pay-per-views on the same days. They're not competing for viewers. The only way they would be competing with is if, you know, if somebody wanted only had enough money to spend on one live event per year yes. and they chose AEW, but that's right. a very small fraction of people. Yeah. Most people who really love wrestling are going to go to both or yeah. yes. So I don't really see the compete competing there yet. Like, will there be a time there might be, there might be worse. One of the companies wants to go toe to toe with it. And yeah. I just don't see that happening because there's a good thing going on now. There's like wrestling on almost every night of the week, which is great right. for everyone. And like, and like, don't get me wrong. AEW is competition for WWE insofar as it's another mainstream, large wrestling brand. But they're like you said, they're not like in head to head competition. There's no Monday night war. There's no like, you know, horrible hellbent, horrible hellbent feelings towards, the, you know, one of the either. But the thing that, the thing that hit me about all out and the thing that's hit me about AEW is pretty much as officially or officially kind of last night 
they sort of capitalized on everything that's been happening in wrestling throughout 2021, this kind of build up to this. And they really hit on something that I think WWE would pay billions of dollars for, which is AEW is cool. Like it's cool to watch it. And people that would normally never report on pro wrestling are talking about pro wrestling, but only AEW because something is happening that is different that people are actually getting attuned to and being like, Oh no, I watch wrestling. Wrestling is awesome. What do you mean? You think it's, yeah, I know it's fake dipshit, (laughs) but like, (laughs) why don't you watch it? Are you not cool? Cause this is cool. No, no, it is absolutely true because a lot of the times when Tom and I are, you know, we're always in our element, but if we're out of our element with people that don't really watch wrestling, people like turn your nose up. You're like, Oh, what really? But if they ever watched, there was, there was a time in the mid two thousands that I just would not tell people I watched it because I was kind of like, well, it's bad. I still love it, but it's bad. But now it's just like, no dudes, I'm going to a wrestling show. I drove six hours in one night to go to a dynamite across the state and then drive back again. Yeah, I love I love it. I love pro wrestling and I have no problem telling people that now because there's promotions out there that are that make me feel good about it. Like it's good. It's good television. So I it's I love it that make you feel alive. So let's get into AEW in 2021. Like we've been seeing AEW for a little while now, a few years since they've been out. What Tom, you know, maestro of pro wrestling Uh knowledge. What has AEW been doing and what has everything they've been doing leading up to this like perfect storm of talent and story and a roster to all out that made us feel this way? Like what have they been doing that nobody else has been doing? I mean, the dumb thing, the, the dumb, easy answer is they've just been doing what they want to do. They they have an idea for pro wrestling. They give everybody's storylines, including the undercard, you know, like people care about what's going on with the TNT championship. People care about what's going on with the world championship. People care about what's going on with the tag team championships. None of them feel incrementally more important than the other one. And, you know, because they have built this whole faction thing, people care about what the dark order is doing. People care about what, 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 what Jurassic Express is doing. And, that's really it. Like all they've been doing is saying, look, we have, we have this big roster. How do we rotate them in and out on an interesting level? How do we make sure that everybody at least has some kind of storyline going? So there's a reason for you to care about, you know, if, if like um, the bunny attacks uh, Thunder Rosa, how do we turn that into, you know, four weeks of TV, right? Right. Everything has a story and, and also everything is intentional. Um, Like, if someone is shown doing something that you don't understand, there is a reason they were shown doing that, that will pay off at some point because they have written these really good, or at least mo- mostly good. I mean, obviously there are stories that, that have been told that have been bad in AEW, notably everything Cody Rhodes is in, but like, <laughs> but like, um, but, 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 but with very few exceptions, there's, there's a reason behind it. And they've built, the, the thing they've built that no one else really has right now, even New Japan, is trust. Um, you might not like everything they do, but you but you trust them enough to be like, I'm going to see where this is going because they have so seldom let me down. That's it. 
Um, but they've hired, they've hired really good people. They've put an emphasis on those people. And again, like, we'll well, that's get into why I wanted we'll... to ask you a question right there. Yeah. Is it because they're one of the reasons that maybe they're doing so well and they've got it so good right now is that AEW is kind of being run and taken over by people who actually were in other companies and who yep. listened to the fans, but were not listened to by the bosses. Yes. And yes. It, they kind of suffered for it and they're not there anymore. And it, you know, they had these very public, uh, you know, firings or being let go and stuff was written about it. And I feel like the people who are running AEW and who are the top talent AEW have always listened to fans and know exactly what will what will make it work to for it to work for a long term and for it to get people yes. really invested in it. Is that is yes. that true? Yes, okay. I think so. Like they're not. Now, they're not letting the fans dictate the storylines by any means. They have those. But, like, if the fans really negatively react to something, they're going to change or tweak what they're doing to see if it's going to work better another way. Or if someone is super getting over that's not the person they thought was going to get over, they have done a good job of pivoting to, you know, make make more um, impact on that person. Like, they they not only listen to the crowds live, but like they also read, you know, wrestling message boards. They also read reviews and they're like, Hey, you know, is this person mad because they haven't seen the whole story? If that's the case, screw them. But Hey, are these people mad because what we did wasn't that good? Okay. Maybe we need to change it then. Right. So that's the bottom line is they listen to their audience and they treat them with respect, which all, all out last night was literally basically just a, you know, hand job to an audience. Like it was like, Hey, you guys want to be happy? Here you go. Yeah. <laughs> have a good time. You because know? we haven't been, because a lot of the wrestling fans have not been that way in a long time when no. it comes to WWE. And so my next question is, has AEW changed the game or has this game been around like this style of storytelling and wrestling been around, but like, you know, decades ago, but uh, sorry, it just, yeah, but it just got away from them and now it's, but they're bringing it back or is this something entirely new to you? So that's, that's very good. Um, so the, the honest answer is I think up until last night, the answer is no. Um, they made a big deal about when all in happened, uh, which if for those not familiar, all in, was kind of the it wasn't really AEW at that point it was a really big indie show that what AEW became started at um they they sold out a they sold out the Sears Center uh, now the Now Arena in Chicago sold out like 10,000 tickets to go see an indie show basically now granted New Japan was on it and really big stars were on it but they still managed to um sell out a 10,000 seat um arena and ever since that day, they've kind of had this whole business model of change the world, right? And like, it's cute and it's cool. And I get that you're starting a revolution, but it never felt like they were really starting a revolution. It was just like, oh, this is a different type of product that I personally enjoy. I'm going to watch it. And like, sure, it's a, it's a change from what I'm used to, which is good. But it never felt like they were changing the wrestling world but for some reason most reasons i have pretty well documented last night felt like oh no they're actually going to change wrestling like this like they are they are doing something that has not been done in decades and if they continue with this momentum 
wrestling is going to be different after September 6th, which is exciting. <laughs> it's very exciting. And, you know, before we get into the, the match highlights and AEW um, all out, you know, when you ask, you know, somebody who asks uh, and gets to talk with a lot of filmmakers and actors about movies, you know, for the last 10 years. And it's very public that when people ask George Lucas about Star Wars or big movies that came out, such as George Lucas with Star Wars, they ask him, did you know at the time this was going to be as big as it is going to be? And mm -hmm. they say, absolutely not. We were making this low budget, stupid mm -hmm. movie ca almost called Star Killer. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, we had no idea. So, Tom, do you think AEW knew, was this the plan to be this amazing to go? Or do you just like, okay, we've got good talent. We're just going to go to it and we'll see what happens. I, I think for the first two years of their company, which is right. It's, it's just, it's just coming up, but it's coming up on maybe three years total, but like it'll be uh, October 2nd will be their two year anniversary of having a TV deal or being on TV. Mm -hmm. I think for the first two years, there was a plan but again, you don't know what's going to happen, right? Like you don't know how people are going to react. You don't know if people are going to care. So I think they just stuck to their plan. I think they just did what they were going to do. And if it happened to get over, it happened to get over and they're happy with that. I think last night they knew the show they had was going to wreck people. <laughs> um, and, and, and a lot of that, a lot of that comes from, and again, it's, it's all about the audience, right? The thing I like best about what they've been doing this year is uh, they've did a they have a concept in AEW called the Forbidden Door, which opened when Tanahashi and Jericho fought for the AEW belt in Wrestle Kingdom two years ago, something like that. Yes. Um, but now it's just been smashed open. And the thing that AEW is doing that's so refreshing is not only are they bringing in or sorry. Yeah. Uh, uh, not only are they bringing in talent from other companies like new Japan is there and impact is there. They brought in Nick Gage from GCW. They, they are just acknowledging that wrestling exists beyond their borders. <laughs> like yes. it's like, Hey, no Indies are real. Like John Moxley just won the GCW championship the night before all out. And he walked to the ring in a GCW shirt on an AEW program. And no one cares because wrestling is everywhere. Yeah, and wrestling is everything <laughs> like this show. And this is unheard of and never happened in no. WWE. WWE doesn't play well with others. They, they do not want to play well with others. They pretend that the they are the muscle. only wrestling company in the world. It's very weird. <laughs> no, it is. And, you know, as somebody who owned a business in Dallas, Texas, I owned a comic book store. And when I first opened, I was talking with all the other comic book store owners and there was like one or two places that didn't want to deal with anybody else. They just want to do it for themselves. But the others really gave me good advice and said, like, the more comic book stores, the better for everybody. Yes. Right. Everybody is going the more comic book stores. That means everybody's doing well. Everybody's doing good. And mm -hmm. if somebody doesn't have something, you go to the other store and you just, you know, tell them and, you know, like it, it works for everybody. So AEW has got that down packed right now. Like, yeah, because they want people to watch and love wrestling. It doesn't mean their company. It means love wrestling. Like if I send John Moxley to GCW and you see that and you love what you see, then go support GCW because you're not affecting like you're not affecting my bottom line as AEW. Like you're just supporting other independent wrestling promotions that need your support. So why would I not do that? You know, wrestling as a whole, like keep wrestling healthy 
And then you create those stars in GCW, which can then go to AEW one day. Like it's literally mutually beneficial for everyone to keep wrestling alive, which I think that whole forbidden door concept has been one of the big things that I have personally loved about about AEW is like, I am a new Japan fan. And then they put new Japan on TV and I am a GCW fan. And then GCW is on my TV. And then I am, you know, I am an independent wrestling fan. So seeing all these indie wrestlers on AEW dark, like there's people like the people that I have seen perform live and in indie shows that are on dark. I mean, hell Ricky Starks and Sammy Guevara came from my home promotion. They're on there because they came from inspire pro, you know? Yeah. Inspire like, pro. We've seen all, most of the people on AEW I've seen with Tom in like a gymnasium yeah. of 50 to maybe 500 people at any given show. And right. they were putting on just as good matches as they are in yes. AEW just for 50 people. And they've, and they've never, and, and they, and they, and they don't, and they don't pretend like those, that those matches never happened, that these people came out of nowhere. They, they directly mention, Oh yeah, this person came from here, 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 here. Um, because they want to make sure that like the infrastructure of wrestling stays sound. So like that's their plan. And so far it's working, but last night's pay-per-view was so good from top to bottom. And with the people that debuted, how, how some of the matches ended and just kind of where this is going just has me, has me buzzing with excitement uh, enough that I was like, Hey, Brian, maybe we should resurrect a three-year dead podcast because I can't stop talking about pro wrestling. Yeah, I agree. It like, don't you think the forbidden door should be called something else now for AW? It should be called like should, the open door or something yeah, like yes. that. Like, come yes. on in. Like, yeah, knock, no, knock. I mean, there's yeah. no, who's there. Just come on in. Just come knock, on knock. in. Just come, come on in. in. <laughs> yeah. It just, at, at this point, at this point, it's no longer forbidden fruit. Like so many people have come through that door. Um, it's this is getting dirty now. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's As it just, should. It, yeah, it's, I mean, uh, 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 it should just be called the revolving door at this point. <laughs> it should. And that's like, that's a good thing. It's a yeah. very good no, thing. No, it is. It is. Uh, yeah, it is. So with this Labor Day weekend, AEW. So to give you some context about this, this pay-per-view was booked. So most of the time, AEW books of venues that are anywhere between, you know, maybe two to 3000 people, maybe at their most 10,000 people. But yeah, with this all out, they booked like a gigantic arena. Um, that's how many people say it's like 15,000. So, so they, 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 you're getting something confused. So they oh. did. So, uh, when punk debuted, they did that at the United center, which is a right, 20,000 right. seat arena. They, right. I think, well, I think in the configuration they had, it was like 15, 16,000. They sold that. They sold that bitch out. So that's one thing. But this 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 last night was in. So every time they've done all out, they've done it in the same building they did all in uh, at, which is yeah. the Sears Center. Sears Center, having been there twice, uh, I have uh, wait three times. Um, it's it's a uh, it's only about a 11, 12,000 seat arena. So it's not much bigger than 10,000 ish. It's around okay. there. Um, but still, I mean, it it sold out the day tickets went on sale. Like it was not like before any matches were announced, it was, it was gone. Like it, if you didn't get tickets day one, it was out of town. So it looks bigger than it is, but it's not quite that big. Uh, the, uh, the show they have in New York coming up at the end of the month is actually bigger than all out. Okay. So bigger than all out, which they'll, they'll sell out. They'll sell that out. Which too, for sure. happened <laughs> because of this pay-per-view. Yeah. So with that said in mind, I think, 
going back a few weeks before, there was talk about a certain wrestler coming back. CM Punk, one mm-hmm. of the best wrestlers to ever live. Again, very he what what he did in WWE, he did a, a what they call a pipe bomb. He sat mm-hmm. down Indian style, Indian, you know, I don't even know if I can say that right now, but cross legs. <laughs> and um and he basically had a mic and he just legitimately said what he hated about the company and all of the bosses and like Mm -hmm. why he doesn't want to wrestle there anymore. Why he hates the bosses named them by names. Mm -hmm. And shortly after that, he was off TV. His contract was up. He was gone. Oh, not even that. His contract was not up. He just decided, I don't want to be here anymore. Right. And he just stopped showing up to work regardless of the fact that he had a contract. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So he was just off. He was so fed up with all of the stuff that he went through, which was horrifying. Mm -hmm. And then eight years later, it was rumored that, oh, maybe he's in AEW. Maybe he's going to be in AEW. Oh, my God. They booked this giant (laughs) arena in Chicago, his hometown. What's going to happen? Of course, he shows up. So over the last few weeks, CM Punk is back. He said he's going to wrestle at All Out. Now we're at AEW All Out. The pay-per-view is happening. And let's Mm -hmm. just kind of go through. I mean, so in a WWE pay-per-view, there's always a pre-show just like an AEW pay-per-view. And usually there's one match. Well, (laughs) the pre-show match was a 10-mag tag team match, which would make Teddy Long cream in his pants. Correct. Um, And it was against, you know, the best friends, along with Jurassic Express, two of the coolest uh, factions ever, against the Hardy family office, including, of course, Matt Hardy, and the hybrid two, you know, with Jack and Love them. Amazing. I love love Angelico. I, I I love my pervert scumbag to the end of the earth. Yeah, and so how you start out a paper, not even start out a pay-per-view. This is your pre-show entertainment. You have a dinosaur, a dude from a jungle, and a Ryan Gosling lookalike who doesn't care about anything <laughs> against uh, kind of like a douchebag party um, faction. Yeah, basi- yeah. Yeah, basi- yeah, basically like you've got, so you basically have it against private party who are essentially two really important VIP people who only go to really high class parties um, or where celebrities are. You've got Matt Hardy, who everybody knows. Um, and then you have um, you have a TH2, uh, which are basically one. It's it's one marijuana user and one ecstasy user, basically. Yeah. So yes. it's just like it's just it's 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 it's. it's ridiculous like if you say it out loud it's like what are you doing and also well, one well, of them is a dinosaur yeah well that's why i try to tell people yeah. it's like yeah i'm watching this show tonight it's like there is a gi- dinosaur who's traveled through time basically yeah to wrestle oh and yeah, then there's, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah and it sounds stupid saying it but when you see it you're just like man this is so good and it was such a good match for a pre-show match mm-hmm. And and Orange Cassidy does it every time. The guy, like like Brian said, his gimmick is he doesn't care about anything until he does. But like I had a friend over who who had never seen AEW before. He just was like, you know, I keep hearing wrestling is pretty good. Let me go check this out with you. And as soon as Orange Cassidy did the hands in the pockets routine and did like the drop kicks and the and the uh, and the dragon ranas and the kip ups, he was sold. He was like, this is the, he was like, this is the coolest wrestler I've ever seen. I've right, ne- I've right. Never, I've never seen anything this cool in my life. 
because it just works right and again like it doesn't make any sense but AEW is like hey this is ridiculous people are eating it up why don't we just keep putting him on tv and making more money yes duh of course you should do that right because you know it because this goes in line with what they're trying to do this is entertainment this is entertaining with full contact and how do you not smile and laugh and want to be mm-hmm. part of somebody like Orange Cassidy or Jurassic Express? Yeah, like it's it's absolutely because because they don't they don't make it look stupid and they and they and they take it as seriously as they're allowed to take it. Like they're not making fun of these guys. They're not like being like, hey, look how stupid this is. They're the, you, you, the, the company suspends its disbelief so that you can suspend your disbelief and just be like, yeah, that was super fun. And I really love watching that match between um, a slacker a dinosaur and his adopted son. Yes. Yes. No, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what happened. And that was the pre-show. Oh my God. So, you know, when this started, when the, when the show started, I mean, we'll go into Miro versus Eddie Kingston, uh, who you basically have uh, Miro, formerly the Machka man himself, Rusev from WWE, and Eddie Kingston, who's kind of like the New Jersey, Detroit, every man, working man who just gets he the would crowd. kill you. Yes. He would kill you for saying that. I know he would. He he really would kill me for saying that. But he like he's New, like the New York or person. nothing. New York or nothing. Detroit, you would be dead. <laughs> Actually, no, you'd be dead as soon as you said New Jersey. You'd be dead. Yeah, <laughs> I would. Yeah, I would be killed. But to get like he's like I feel like he's almost like the Bruce Springsteen of wrestling. Like everybody yes. loves him. He's the working man. He's, and he's so blue, much fun. He's the, yeah. he's the blue collar poet, man. Everything that comes out of that man's mouth is gold. And it's just, it's just straight up New York street talk, man. Right. He's phenomenal. That match was everything I could have asked for. It was the perfect match to set off that show. It was just two people that are really good at promos that are just beefing around and hitting each other as hard as they can. And everybody was, I was so into that match and and the crowd was super into it. It was a hot, hot, hot opener. I'm really glad that opened the show. No, yeah, it was so good. And you finally, you know, I mean, we've seen Miro wrestle, but man, I love that they don't have the, some of these wrestlers wrestle every week because just seeing Miro wrestle, you're just like, dude, this, he's in the best shape of his life right now. Yeah. And he's just insanely fun to watch. And you're just like actually scared of him. <laughs> yes. But that's, but, but that's, and that's the thing with like, AEW has a very deep roster. They have lots of people on staff, but they manage it so well where it's like, yeah, okay. We have, you know, a uh, mirror will be on TV every week, maybe for 30 seconds backstage talking. And then you don't see him perform or wrestle for a month. So when he wrestles, it feels important and special. And this is something I need to tune into as opposed to just constantly giving you, you know, the same match over and over and over and over again. It's like, no, you're only going to see Miro wrestle once a month. Like, we're going to hype him up, but you're going to see him wrestle once a month. So you, you know, uh, better be there. And then obviously the next week, like, hey, we haven't had Orange Cassidy wrestle in a month. He's going to wrestle the next week. So you better watch next week because Orange Cassidy is going to wrestle. <laughs> like they do such a good job of balancing when these people perform so that every week feels like something big is happening because you haven't seen Malachi Black in a month. Right. Right. So, no, that was good. So moving on to the next match, you have, you know, the fan favorite, the one that really 
I want to say put AEW on the map at the very beginning because this is John Moxley we're talking about, formerly Dean Ambrose of WWE. John Moxley. Yeah, who's that? We don't know that guy anymore. The last time (laughs) Dean Ambrose was seen, he was injecting his butt with, you know, chemicals in like an underground lab. Oh, I feel so bad for uh, Dean Ambrose, but not John Moxley. John Moxley went to AEW and put it on the map. He made it legit. He made it, he basically like, oh my God, John Moxley's coming out and he's the character he's always wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And he fought the one and only Kojima. Yeah, Satoshi Kojima. And, Bread club, baby. And it's just so good because John Moxley's a fun as hell wrestler. Like he's the wrestler that has done it all. He's done the silliness. He's done the serious stuff. And now, I mean, he comes out to you know, Rick Vaughn's major league theme, wild thing. And he just doesn't give a shit. He's going to go in there and he is going to just be crazy. He's going to, there's going to be blood. There's going to be cursing and he, they're going to have a hell of a match. J- John Moxley is the perfect person to illustrate the business model of AEW, which is AEW hires wrestlers and their main point is, are the wrestlers having fun? Do the wrestlers want to be there? Do the wrestlers want to perform? If the wrestler's having fun, then by nature, like just like if you've been around anybody in life, like if you're around someone who's having a good time, there's a much higher chance that you will have a good time because someone else is having a good time, Um, especially in like, well, I mean, in any situation, right? So he is the perfect he is the poster boy for why AEW is turning into the juggernaut that it is they're hiring people and they're keeping them happy at work like they're like we want you to come to work and be happy because just like anywhere will tell you if you love your job any job I don't care what that job is if you love your job you will work harder at that job and be more productive and be more engaged in what you're doing because you love being there So John Moxley is the poster boy for AEW as far as I'm concerned. He came from a place that he did not like anymore anyway. And he's in a company where he just gets to beat the shit out of old men. (laughs) And he's he's loving his life. And then everyone's on board with it because they can tell just by him performing and coming out of the ring that he's having the time of his life. So everyone is just cheering and being so into what he's doing because – he is living the AEW motto, which is make sure that everybody is having a good time, even the performers. Yes, yes, yeah. It, it, it was a great match. It's always fun to see John Moxley. You're going to have a good yep. time. Yep. So, yeah. Oh, no, we are not skipping over the end of that match, which had me screaming in my head. So, so when that happened, when this happened at the end of this match, I looked to my friend Scott Jackson, who was sitting right next to me. Yeah. And I said, I think I heard Tom scream from San Antonio when this person walked out. <laughs> like, I think I could hear him. And I think the, the couch is wet. Like, I don't know what's <laughs> happening. But I want the, the ball is in your court, Tom. Tell everybody what just happened at the end of that match. So at the end of the match, after John Moxley defeats Kojima uh, in, in a very hard hitting good match, um, John Moxley's bitterest rival in New Japan and my favorite murder grandpa in all of the world, uh, Minoru Suzuki came out in his AEW debut. Um, I was hoping it was going to happen even before the match started. I was like, I know Suzuki's in America. 
you motherfuckers better put him on TV. <laughs> I think I, I think I, I think I specifically remember after the match was over, I just started screaming at the TV, give me what I want. And then they gave me what I wanted. <laughs> Look at you going all Batista on us. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and so um, describe every, to everybody what a murder grandpa is. Minoru Suzuki is 53 years old. He trained his entire life in MMA and shoot fighting and also professional wrestling. And basically the only thing that makes him come is physical pain. <laughs> um, so, so, and, 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 and that could be to his own person or to your person, as long as someone hurts, he is happy about it. Um, but he's, he's a, he's a submission expert. Um, like I said, like actual shoot fighter, like a, a genuine, genuine could make you tap out in two seconds in real life uh, because he knows exactly what to twist and how to twist it. Um, and him and Moxley are have had several battles in New Japan, uh, not as many as I would have liked, but they it, it, it basically ends always in with both of them punching each other in the face while laughing maniacally at how much it hurts. And it's yes. fantastic. And so before we move on to the next match, how do you think they're this match in AEW is going to go uh, compared to a New Japan match they had? It's going to be honestly, I think it'll be almost identical. I think I think I think it's going to be two dudes elbowing each other in the face and dropping each other on their heads until one of them can't get up. Um, but I think there's still going to be respect there no matter who wins. If, if Minoru wins, there's still going to be respect. And if Moxley wins, there's still going to be respect uh, because they are they are like they're not even flip sides of the same coin. They are they are the same side of the coin. Yeah, so, like. Like it's 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 a mirror image, basically. Yeah, it's um, which two tornadoes. Yeah, two tornadoes yeah. with nails and everything. So yeah, it's two, it's two absolute madmen who could not be more pleased about getting the shit kicked out of them. So <laughs> it's 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 gonna be incredible. Um, I'm very I'm I'm very jealous that I cannot go to Cincinnati, which is my hometown and John Moxley's hometown, to see him fight Minoru Suzuki. That would be incredible, but that's that's not not on the cards. <laughs> Right, right. So, yeah, we, we look forward to that and seeing what's going to happen on the future installments of Dynamite and Rampage. But let's get on to the next match, which is a crazy match for the AEW Women's World Championship. You have Britt Baker and Chris Statlander, meaning you have an actual dentist, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, who is a sadistic dentist against mm -hmm. Chris Statlander, who's an alien from <laughs> outer space. Correct. This is the match. And yes. this is who it was. And I love... Equally, Britt Baker and Chris Statlander so Same. much. Yeah. Like, I just want to, you know, be with them 24-7. Sexually. <laughs> um, all, all types. All types. <laughs> all types. Um, um, and no, so, they, yeah. Yeah, they're fantastic. It was a really fun match. Chris Statlander is amazing. She's a hoss. She can lift anything. She's it was it's a it was a very fun match. Um, I'm not sad that she, that Chris Santlander didn't win, but I would love her to win eventually. But Britt Baker's just on fire at the moment, and no one can touch her at the moment. So I'm fine with it. But it was a super fun match, and I'm just happy she got a shot at all and got a shot on a big stage. It was it was a very good match. Um, I I I the, my one criticism of AEW or well, I have several, but my big criticism is that. They don't give a lot of attention to women's matches or storylines. And I was very happy they gave Chris Statlander this position on uh, not even arguably their biggest card of all time. Um, I think that really helped a lot. 
Right, right. Yeah. Uh, much love to Chris and to Britt. Um, if you're ever in the area, I don't know what hoops you have to jump through, but she is an actual dentist. So if you want your teeth worked on mm-hmm. and looked at, you can mm-hmm. go see her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then on to this next match, which is probably one of the most fun matches of the whole night, if not the best match of the whole night. This is for the AEW World Tag Team Championship. And this is the Lucha Brothers versus the Young Bucks. So basically, you have the Young Bucks, Matt Jackson and Nick Jackson, who, you know, at one point in time, everybody loved them, but they've become such pieces of shit in character as heel wrestlers that you just, you want them to just go away forever. And then you have the Lucha Brothers, this, this tag team of amazing lucha, amazing luchadors that can do anything and do everything in a cage match. And what followed for the next 22 minutes was nothing short of literal remarkability and spectacular phenomenal and the best in the world. The story they told outside of the ring and inside the ring is insane to me. Yeah. Um, first point, fuck the Young Bucks forever. Um, they, uh, Nick Jackson's a pile of shit with stupid facial hair. Matt Jackson's a big prick that can go stuff his own face with his own dick. And um, and that's that's what should have happened at the end of this match is they should have both died from self-penetration. Anyway. <laughs> yes, um, on one another, yes. They should have. <laughs> and it was very possible. Yeah. But... But but though this match was it, I think I think I think it definitely was the best match of the night. But um, uh, Penta and Phoenix have been a little overlooked in AEW in terms of like not that they haven't been popular, but they haven't probably gotten the opportunities they should have gotten over the last two years. This was very vindicating uh, for them to have such a big moment inside the cage. Um, but this match, whoever, whoever structured this match and normally it is the wrestlers that they may have some producers that help out, but normally the wrestlers are the ones that lay out everything. Whoever laid out this match is a genius because something happened in this match that I've barely ever seen before in pro wrestling, which is a, the young bucks are horrible pieces of shit. And the reason they're in a cage in the first place is they can't stop having their dumb, stupid, bald friends uh, uh, interfere in every match. So they put, they got put in a cage match so no one can get into the ring, which is great. But during the course of the match, they brought out a very expensive Nike shoe that had thumbtacks glued to the bottom of it. This, this is something they've done in PWG before. Um, and it's gross and it's disgusting and I hate them. But Brian, you were going to say something about that shoe. No, I, I saw the shoe and being a sneakerhead and getting sneakers all the time. I saw that shoe. And I was like, ah! you know, what are we doing? And then he flips it over onto the, you know, the heel of the, the, the bottom of the shoe. And it's like just covered in thumbtacks. But how that shoe in this bag got into the, the ring. Over oh, yeah, they're stooge. A- 30 yeah, stu- foot yeah, yeah. fence is yeah. insane and it perfectly perfectly yep. might I add <laughs> yeah it was fantastic but so the thing that happened in this match that I just that like so props to the Chicago crowd all night for being the Chicago crowd because they were hype as fuck the whole night but the thing that happened in this match is that it was hot 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 action the whole way through the crowd was into everything but as soon as that 
as soon as that as soon as that shoe came out with the thumbtacks and as soon as the 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 um the lucha brothers start, started getting hit with said shoe repeatedly um the crowd just died and not and not in a this sucks way, or not in not, not in a this is a boring way but normally like when heels do heel stuff you just hear lots of booing 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 this was just it was almost like just resigned to silence like these fucking motherfuckers always find a way to cheat i hate them i hate this i hate everything just go away you horrible pieces of shit and everyone like you could just feel that the energy was gone and then matt jackson covered pentagon after like wrecking his shit and phoenix out of nowhere like rolled into the ring and broke up the pin at the last second and that crowd roared back to life in a way that I have never heard before. Like they were done. They were out of it. They were like, the bucks are going to win. I hate this because and Lucha brothers were the, extremely bleeding, yes, like from yeah, the face. Uh, yeah. Awful. And then as soon as, as soon as that, that kick out happened, that crowd turned into 15 times hyperdrive and never let up. And it was amazing to watch. And I can't imagine how much it would have been amazing to be there. Um, I, but <laughs> it, it that that pop when uh, Lucha's got that pop for doing yeah. that. It reminded me of that King of the Ring with Kurt Angle versus Shane McMahon in the street yes. fight when yes. Shane McMahon kicked out after everything at the yes. end, yes. and the crowd went crazy because because he was cut up and bleeding and looking terrible. Like everyone was actually concerned for him. Like I think people were concerned for the for the Lucha Brothers. Like I said, it probably has been twenty. Well, that was two thousand one, so twenty years since I've heard that kind of reaction of like deflated to just complete, you know, holy shit. And then obviously the, uh, the, the Lucha brothers came back. Phoenix did a crazy dive off top of the cage because he's a crazy son of a bitch. And the, <laughs> and the Lucha brothers finally beat the young bucks, which was my happiest moment. Um, I sent many texts to my friend, Billy, who's a young bucks. Mark uh, explained to him, <laughs> explained to him in detail how he could kill himself with dicks. <laughs> Right, right. That's how you that's how you do that. And like how this match was structured, where it was like not only high flying flips off of everything and doing crazy like matrix type of stuff. Yeah. But you also had a you also had a moment where uh, the four guys were standing around each other and then one would land to the other with a with a fist. Then the, the next yep. person would go into the fist and then they would do a kick. And then yep. they all took each other out in like a spectacular way at the same time. And it's, it was it's, nuts. It's, it's arguably, I mean, it just happened last night, so it's still very fresh, but it, it's arguably one of the greatest cage matches of all time. It's right. a this is a match that if you've never seen AEW before, this is something you could watch without knowing who any of these teams are and very clearly know. I mean, Nick Jackson comes out with a dyed black beard with his mustache dyed orange. Yes. Like I, he, I want him to die just for that. Yeah, like you the hate second, this guy. <laughs> the second this guy comes out, you know that this person eats douchebags for lunch. <laughs> And then, this is and true. Then, and then <laughs> Pennant and Phoenix come out in their huge Mexican-inspired gear with live rapping over their awesome theme song. And from minute one, you know who you want to win. You know who you want to die. And then the way the match is structured, 
it does exactly that. Like you, you need to know nothing about these teams to leave fully invested in who they are, which says a lot about how they booked it. Right, right. That's very true. Very true. Um, and so what do you do at, well, how do you follow this? How do you follow this amazing match that you might be the best match you've ever seen? Well, what AEW did uh, was they did a casino battle royale. And if mm-hmm. you know a battle royale, usually everybody comes to the ring at once. But being this casino one, you have five women uh, as like the clubs, five women as the hearts, five women of the yep. spades, and five women as the diamonds. They all come out at once in their suits every you know few minutes. Every, every and three then, and a half minutes, yep. Yes. And then there was one joker card wild card who was remained anonymous so Mm -hmm. you have you know many women in the ring wrestling fighting uh you have you know big names like thunder rosa you have uh nyla rose nyla rose you have all these things and you're you're, people are getting eliminated you're seeing people come in and you're like okay this is cool who's the joker who's the wild card tom what was the wild card the wild card was a woman uh, named Ruby Soho, formerly Ruby Riot in WWE and formerly Heidi Loveless on the indies, who is about as punk rock as you can possibly be. And yeah, she's I, like tank girl and goth and punk. 100%. Yeah. And 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 the, the the pop she received made my heart grow three sizes. I was very happy. Um, but I, I do think this was the perfect match to follow the Lucha Brothers, because while like people were invested in it, um, that match was so hot that you needed a little bit of cool down time. And because of the three and a half minute rule where people weren't coming out for three and a half minutes, that gave people about a good 12 minutes of, of like, you know, random people being thrown over the top rope, which is, you know, it's not always the most exciting. It's, you know, fun to watch, but not like emotionally investing. Um, It gave people like that 12 minutes to kind of like be excited, but not overly pop. And then the end of that match where it came basically came down to Thunder Rosa and, 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 and Ruby Soho, people were just jacked out of their minds because they wanted to see those two fight. Right. So yeah. it was, it was the perfect match to follow it with where you have 12 minutes of build up where the audience can rest. And then you get them into a full bore frenzy with who they picked as the final two, which as a former WWE guy, it's like, it's so nice that like at the beginning of the match, you're like, man, I really hope Thunder Rosa is in the final two. Cause I want her to win this. And you know, if it is Ruby Soho, that'd be great. I would love to see them fight. And then that's what happens <laughs> where like you watch a Royal rumble and it's like, Hey, your final four are big show, Seamus, Roman Reigns and Randy Orton. It's like, I don't care. <laughs> I don't give a shit. <laughs> yes. No. Yeah, no, it, it was so good. It was so good to see Ruby back again. And it was so good because not only were people happy to see Ruby, but Jesus, sweet chocolate Christ, everybody loves Thunder Rosa. And if it oh wasn't evident from last night, <laughs> like, holy shit, I like Thunder Rosa might be one of the most, the hottest uh, people on the on in wrestling yeah. like no it's she insane. is and also san antonio represent baby yes um no she is she is incredible i've seen her on so many local indies i've actually danced in the ring with her before um you can find that footage online somewhere i'm not gonna tell you where <laughs> um but uh she is she's a local favorite and i'm so glad that she's translated so well on a national tv because yes you could hear as soon as she came out that crowd erupted and they and even though ruby soho was the debuting champion or the deb- you know uh, the debuting hot thing more people wanted thunder rosa to win because they just love her so it was it was fantastic it was a great ending to that match and yeah. and obviously and obviously it sets up like 
I hope they don't turn Thunder Rosa heel, but also like it gives it gives another reason for Thunder Rosa and, and Ruby Soho to fight, which, yes, give that to me every week. That would be amazing. Yeah, that's what I want to. So, yeah, that was a great one. And then we have talk about we talked about it earlier and we're talking about it again. Long term booking, long term yeah. dicks, long term yeah. booking. <laughs> Here it is, folks. Chris Jericho, a 73-year-old man who's been in the <laughs> rink for many years and still going strong against MJF. Oh. Matt Jacob Friedman. Yes, he's Jewish. Yes, he's diabolical and sinister and awful and maybe one of the worst people to ever live in the wrestling ring. He All he wears, basically, is a Burberry scarf. And he is just, he's the Donald Trump of wrestling, basically. So much. (laughs) And so over the last few months, Chris Jericho and MJF have fought three times. Chris Jericho has lost each time. And this last time, MJF put him through the ringer of five different matches that MJF personally concocted from whatever his sick mind that Chris Jericho had to do. He did a crazy Texas death match with Nick Gage. He wrestled one of his old foes from new Japan. He, um, he had to fight at a handicap match. He had to do all this stuff and Chris Jericho won everyone. And so this was the last match they were going to have allegedly over the last few months. And if Chris Jericho was beaten again, he would leave. He would not wrestle again in AEW. Mm-hmm. So here you have it by WWE standards. We Tom and I would be saying, Jesus Christ, another fucking match with these two. But not this time. We're like, dude, I'm hyped for this match. I'm like, oh, my God, Jericho needs to win. Clap hands. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, I become I become I become in the Judas in my mind the whole time. And it's like that song just has the word Jew in it, doesn't it? It's it's true. It's true. (laughs) I'm a Judas. (laughs) Um, So what happens in this match is was perfect because it went both ways. You had the, you know, the comedy and the tragedy of the entertainment here, you know, the happiness and the sadness all in a span of a couple minutes. Yep. Because you have, So if you know Chris Jericho, Chris Jericho has been a huge villain. He's been the best face, the best good guy of the company, of every company he's been with. Mm -hmm. And so right now, Chris Jericho is the biggest face and MJF is the biggest shithead in the world. With the exception of Nick Jackson's beard. Yes, that's true. (laughs) And so Chris Jericho is coming in. He's coming in hot. They're doing their thing. And all of a sudden, I mean, I guess this is a referee fault, right? Oh, so uh, the finish, you mean? Yeah. So. Um, MJF, like the big sack of shit that he is, hits Jericho's finisher on him and pins him. But Jericho gets his foot on the rope um, right before the three count uh, or really almost right at the three count. And the referee just counts because she's looking she's looking at the shoulders and she counts and she pins. She counts the pin uh, for MJF and Jericho loses the match. Um, the thing that I thought was genius about this match um which again is in stark contrast to other wrestling companies is during this match, uh, one of MJF's associates Wardlow comes out to the ring to ostensibly cause some damage to Jericho and Jericho's friend, Jake Hager comes out to fight with him 
And while they're fighting on the outside of the ring, just like, you know, you, you do a bunch of referees come out, like two referees come out to like separate them and get them away from each other and make sure they go backstage, which means like after that gets done, the referees are still out there just kind of chilling because they're trying to make sure no one else interferes. And when the finish of the match happens, there is a actual reason <laughs> for a second referee to be outside the ring and see Chris Jericho's foot on the rope because one referee missed it, but the other referee was there to see it, but it has an organic reason for that to happen. There was a reason why that referee was there and why, when, why it made perfect sense for him to go up to the other referee and say, Hey, by the way, this is what I saw. You actually counted it wrong. Uh, you know, probably go ahead and restart this match because this is what it is. And that's exactly what they did. They went to the ring announcer and they said, Hey, this person caught my mistake. I'm going to reverse that decision and we need to continue this match because it didn't finish the correct way, um, which is how you should do a dusty finish. Uh, a, a dusty finish is a, is a finish that gets reversed basically. Like you count to three, but they find a way to, you know, reverse it. Right. It's a, it was a great way to do that. It was great uh, because typically you would either just, you know, forget about it. And you'd be like, well, you know, they'll resolve it next week. And Jericho will complain that his foot was on the rope and blah, 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 blah. But no, they like, because the referees were doing what they were supposed to do, their job is to decrease the amount of interference in the match because they were just doing their job. They were ringside to continue doing their job, which was fantastic. It was fantastic. And what ended up happening in that when the match restarted, yeah, the match restarted and Jericho locked in the walls, which I was hoping for the lion tamer, but it's okay. And because MJF's back had been messed up by that uh, term, by that, by that uh, apron power bomb, uh, he tapped out to the walls of Jericho and Chris Jericho gets to continue having a career in AEW and hopefully fight some of these new people that are coming in. That's true. That's true. It was a great finish of the match. And I just want to reiterate how horrible MJF is when he came Giant out. Piece of shit. He came out to Jericho's old theme music from WWE. <laughs> well, sort of. I mean, it was the countdown clock for sure. But yeah, yes, he was yeah. a big piece of shit. Yes, he yes, is he is. A, he's he's such a big piece of shit. Um, <laughs> I got to flip. I, I got to flip him off on camera a couple of weeks ago. You did. You did. Happy. That was amazing. Okay, uh, on to the next one. This was the big one uh, that everybody was, you know, looking forward to. People that have not seen wrestling in years, tune in for this one. Uh, this, of course, was CM Punk. Versus Darby Allen. Darby Allen is a 70 pound kid who is a daredevil skateboarder and will literally um, jump off a cliff to um, do anything. And to get the match done, he's quick, he's agile, he's the fastest Sonic Hedgehog, you know, darkness that you need in wrestling. And then CM Punk comes in and was like, I like this kid, Darby Allen. Let's 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 do something. And I got to mm -hmm. think like because in real life, CM Punk and Darby Allen are both straight edge. So that means there's no drinking. There's no drugs. There's no smoking. There's nothing. I imagine that's maybe why this happened, but they didn't allude to that at all. But most people who haven't wrestled in eight years would come back, have a match. And most of them would do it for five minutes or less. CM Punk came in and did it for 17 minutes because <laughs> that's. Yep. Damn it, CM Punk. <laughs> yeah, yep, it is. And against and no, the I, fastest person in the ring. <laughs> correct. Uh, Darby Allen is a little speedball, um, but I love him too. But like, well, and like, like CM Punk said in the build up to this match, 
when if if CM if if Darby Allen was wrestling when CM Punk was 15 years old, Darby Allen would be his favorite wrestler because here's a straight edge guy who skates, who is punk rock, who's not afraid to fall off of things and do crazy things. He like this is someone that he would have looked up to as a kid, just like how Darby Allen looked up to CM Punk when he was a kid, right? So it just made all the sense in the world for these two to have a encounter um they're both faces they're both good guys people like them both uh there really isn't a bad way to have this match end. if darby won people wouldn't be upset if cm punk won people wouldn't be upset because they like them both um it was just a fantastic thing all around um and cm punk being older <laughs> much older cm punk being older they really paced the match out you know there was a lot of holds there was a lot of grappling but there was also some huge huge spots where you know, Darby Allen would be quick. They would jump off ropes. CM Punk has not lost a beat, it looks like. And, like, he told that story in the ring. And he was vicious. He was great. And I, I'm i happy he's back. Yeah, oh, me too. Now, I mean, like, I, I do think this match, it didn't suffer from anything. But I do think it, it, it was very clear that CM Punk was kind of figuring out if he can still do this or not like this was a th this match had a lot more rest holds in it. it had a lot more transitional moves in it than like maybe a lot of things aew does because again you've got a 42 year old guy who hasn't wrestled in seven years by choice like christian cage who we'll get to in a little minute um also was off for seven years but he was told he couldn't wrestle and he never wanted to stop CM Punk wanted to stop like he was like, I'm done with this. So coming back seven years later after, you know, basically never even really training for it again, I think there was going to be a little bit of a let's see if I can still go. And the answer and is he, obviously yes, he can still go. But did he enjoy it? And by the look on his face afterwards, yes. I think he yes. was like, God damn it. Why have I been away so long? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, and, right. And, but, but a lot a of that time. is with the company and the crowd. So. 100%. And, and the people he's facing, he, he's facing people he's never faced before who are really talented, who have their own personas and their own everything and are also just as creatively motivated as he is. You know, they're not just there to be like, yeah, I'm getting paid a ton of money. Let's just wrap this up. You know, uh, let, let's let's wrap this up in six minutes and go home. It's like, no, I'm getting to wrestle CM Punk. This is a big deal for me. Let's tell a story. And that makes him excited, right? Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. So great match back. CM Punk, Darby Allen, I love you. Um, the next match was the shortest match of the night. It was three minutes long. We let's all know not, why. Let's just, let's just not even talk about it. Well, the, the big show, Paul White against Cutie Marshall. Paul White was going to come out and he was going to throw QT Marshall around like a ragdoll. That's what happened. Yeah, that's what happened. Big show or, you know, big show from WWE now, Paul yeah. White, his real name. He got to have his day and AEW in the ring. He was happy. And, he yeah. did his thing. You know, it doesn't need to last longer than three minutes. No, and it served its purpose, which is a cool down match between CM Punk and the main event. Like, it's just like, hey, guys, you know, it's, it, 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 it wasn't bad. It wasn't embarrassing. It was it was stupid and it was short, but it was exactly what it needed to be. And it was a chance for people to catch their breath before a world title match. Right. It, it's it, it was exactly where it needed to be on the card. It did exactly what it needed to do. And that's it. It was fine. It was fine. It did what it did. You know, it did, was, yes. Correct. It did what it did. It was fun to see him in the ring. So on to the main event for the AEW World Championship. So when you hear the Young Bucks, when you hear MJF and us talking about it, how big pieces of shit they are, where does the current champion Kenny Omega fit on this? 
below both of them, but I still want him to die. <laughs> yeah. So Kenny Omega, unarguably one of the best wrestlers to have ever lived in the world. He is amazing. He's fighting Kristen Cage. Christian from Edge and Christian in WWE. Christian Cage was told he would never wrestle again. He is wrestling again. He's the hardest working man in wrestling. That's his deal. They were having a, a match together. Kenny Omega versus Christian Cage. Now, uh, what transpired? I didn't know what to expect from this match. I expected a great match, but I didn't expect this great of a match in literally Christian Cage almost killing himself. Yes. Jumping out of the ring, getting punctured in the lungs, you know, in the rib cage. Like, I just like, oh man, this does not look good. But like from the first 20 seconds of the match, Christian Cage is jumping off the top rope onto the mat, you know, yeah. like, you know, we were like, what's happening here? What's what going he on? Do, that's what he would do in WWE. It'd be like, hey, I'm in a match. Let me basically murder myself. And yes. I've, I've always loved him for it. Um, the only, the, the, the thing that's regrettable about this match is that it was awesome but no one really cared because I think everyone was too excited for what they thought was going to happen afterward that no one probably, I think the live crowd wasn't quite as into it as they could have been. Uh, even the people that I was uh, watching it with, both of them were just reading Twitter and reading Reddit while the match was going on, because I think they just cared about what was coming after, which was unfortunate because that match is excellent. It's a, it's a really good match and it's easy. It's, 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 it's almost impossible to consider that Christian is 10 years older than Kenny Omega. Given and that they, they did are, not look it. He does not look it he, or act like it in the no, ring. He, they look like they were the same age, the same competency, the same everything. It's baffling that he, like Christian Cage is literally closer to 50 than he is 40, you know, um, and he's still doing what he's doing, which is insane. Yeah, and it was an amazing match. Stories told on both sides of the ring. One was up, one was down. They were taking hits from tables, getting stomped on, knees, real hits to the face. It was brutal. But again, of course, Kenny Omega being the piece of shit he is with Don Callis yeah. has to cheat to win, of course. Yeah, of course he does. So Kenny Omega won. And then everybody at the end of the show, you're expecting somebody to come out. And that person is Daniel Bryan but real name, Brian Danielson, but he doesn't yeah. come out. It's not him. It is Adam Cole, baby, comes out. Adam Cole, of course, one of the best wrestlers in WWE and NXT and in the indies. We love him. He comes out. Everybody's cheering. Everybody's getting along. And right after this match with Christian Cage and Kenny Omega, there's a lot of people coming out, you know, and beating up on Christian Cage. So people are helping him. And all of a sudden, uh, Adam Cole comes out and he immediately turns heel, immediately turns heel. And you're just like, oh, my God, he's with Kenny Omega in this faction right now, this stable. What? They cannot end it like a WWE pay-per-view would and have the heels win. What? Mm -hmm. But then can I, can I uh, correct you on something, Brian? Oh, I, I fucked up what I do. You didn't fuck up. Um, but remember how I said that or I think earlier everything that AEW is intentional so that when you go back and look at it, it is all part of a larger story, right? Yep. Yes. You said that Adam Cole turned heel. Here's the thing. <laughs> in, in everyone's excitement, they tend to overlook the very obvious details that would tell you that he didn't turn heel. He was always a heel. So number yeah. one, 
he came out of the heel tunnel. <laughs> That's true. He did come out of the heel tunnel. And then number two, the motherfucker is wearing really expensive Nikes. Yeah. Who's, whose side do you think he's on? <laughs> right. But when so, he comes out, he's with the crowd. Oh, no. That's just what like, I mean. But that's the whole point is that, like, everyone's so excited to see him because he was so unexpected, right? That, like, everybody is like, oh, my God, this is happening. Hooray, hooray, hooray. This is so great. Ignoring all of the facts that have been laid out in front of you to be like, he is a piece of shit. <laughs> and also... <laughs> The character that he was, you know, literally a week ago when he or two weeks ago when he left WWE was also a piece of shit. <laughs> like yeah, he's he's literally never not been a piece of shit his entire run in WWE. When he left Ring of Honor, he was a piece of shit. <laughs> like his character <laughs> is I'm a piece of shit. <laughs> and, and, and everyone just forgot that for a second because of how how well AEW executed that debut. Yeah. But yes, he super kicks Jungle Boy. He joins the elite. He gets kissed on the cheek by the worst beard who's ever existed. Yes. And then. And then you hear familiar music. Yes. And then Jr. in his infinite wisdom. By God, it's Brian Danielson. (laughs) (laughs) And he comes out to some badass new music. Yes. And the yes chance starts. And if it was WWE, he'd go in and it would end on a stair or him at the top of the ramp. But no, there's a huge fight that ensues. Yep. Yep. He, he Daniel Bryan gets to do the kicks, the goat yep. kicks. He could, oh my God. It was and, so satisfying. And also he got to also he exclusively and only damaged Nick Jackson, which made me happy. <laughs> Correct, correct. And he did the yes chant and he they aired well, him he didn't going do the back yes up to he didn't do the yes chant. The no, audience did it, but didn't. he didn't lead them in it this time. Correct, correct. He was enjoying it. But when he walked yeah. back up the ramp, they were still filming in correct. a pure genius moment was fucking with the audience on which tunnel to go into. Yeah. <laughs> which was amazing. Yeah. Yep, 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 yep. Um, so, so- yeah. But I uh, the, the about his theme music, I so I didn't notice this live because I was so elated that it was happening. <laughs> but my friend sent me, um, I guess the person who wrote it, uh, uploaded it to YouTube and he sent it to me today. And um, you probably were not aware of Daniel Bryan on the indies, I'm assuming, or Brian Danielson on the indies. Did you ever watch any of his old matches from like the early 2000s, Brian? Um, I mean, I've seen him here and there over the last few years, but like, right. n- I didn't watch never when live, they happened. Right. Yeah. Never live. Right. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So the thing that has me so excited about this theme music, which is actually quite good. It's, it's it has a good beat to it and all that stuff. It's kind of like a remix of the flight of the Valkyries, right. With like a, a really cool beat to it. Yeah. Under underneath that beat, they threw in his chant from ring of honor. Oh, which made me so happy and i don't know how they're going to get away with it but the chant from ring of honor if you so his thing back in the 2000s was that he was one of the most lethal strikers in the world and he could kick your face clean off so whenever he was in a match the chant that they, they would do that they put into his fucking theme music now is you're gonna get your fucking head kicked in <laughs> you're gonna get your fucking head kicked in I feel like that's going to be a chant at AEW now. Well, it's in the theme it. music. It's literally yeah. in the theme music. <laughs> so I'm just so excited that this is who like 
we're not getting Daniel Bryan. We are actually getting Brian, Brian Danielson, the American dragon in AEW, which is so exciting. Right. And so all of this has culminated. Why we did this podcast, why we brought it back from three years ago is because of this. It's because of the return of Ruby. It's because of who John Moxley is fighting next. It's because of Brian Danielson and, um, uh, shit, baby. Um, yeah, Adam, Adam Cole, Cole, Adam Cole, <laughs> but not just them. It's how they're telling the story and how they executed and delivered because this to us. Adam Cole, Adam Cole came out and then immediately set up a storyline where he's part of the elite now. And then Daniel Bryan came out and immediately set up a storyline where he hates the elite and is feuding with them. It may be part of the Jurassic Express. Right. We don't know. Like, immediately. So like <laughs> yeah. there's there's no there was no like, let's wait till see you next week. What happens? No, they they both came with a plan. And like I said, they have built enough trust that you just got to see where it's going. But I saw Dynamite three weeks ago in Houston. Like I went to Houston and saw Dynamite. And th even th three weeks later, this company feels like a different company than when I saw it three weeks ago. Right. I went, of, I think the week prior to you in Dallas and right. it, it I, I loved it every second that it was on, but this, as what you just said, man, I feel like they have climbed the top of the mountain or are about to yeah. climb to the top of the mountain. Like, between, between who is showing up and how they are apparently going to be used. And between the fact that they have, blitzed open the forbidden door and anybody from anywhere is welcome to come there. Anyone from anywhere is welcome to have a match. This is something that has not happened in a mainstream American pro wrestling in decades. You don't get this kind of stuff. And the fact that it's so well received, the fact that people like I have three, three friends, three friends who have not watched wrestling in five to 10 years, or at least not seriously, you know, between each of them, maybe more in some cases, I have three friends that paid $50 a piece to watch this pay-per-view because there was the potential that Daniel Bryan or someone else was going to show up. They shelled out 50 bucks to watch it. And all three of them can't are, are, already told me I'm watching dynamite next week. I'm watching it the week after people that have not watched wrestling in forever are actively tuning into this program because of how well they have executed everything they've tried to set up on. And it just feels different and new. Like, I think I told you when I wanted to set this up, this feels like watching ECW for the first time. This yeah. feels like you just know this is special. I don't know where it's going to go. I don't know how it's going to end. I don't know if I'll like it every single week. But this feels special. Something is happening here that has not happened in pro wrestling in 20 plus years. And like I said, to, you know, a year ago, I wouldn't have told you the whole change the world motto was actually true. It's just a cute little tagline. This feels like they are at the precipice of changing the way professional wrestling is presented in America, which is unbelievable for a company that is two years old. Yeah. I echo that. And with that, that is, that wraps up our AEW episode of All Out. Uh, wh my last question is, where do they go from here? What's next for AEW? How can I, they keep this momentum? I don't care because I'm going to be watching regardless. Like I, I, I again, they have they have built up enough goodwill with me that I know whatever plan they have is at least a plan. 
they at least have a plan. And I don't know where they go from here. I, again, I don't think their competition for WWE in terms of like, you know, they're going to pull a 3 million, you know, viewership and be like the number one wrestling pr uh, promotion in America. That's not going to happen anytime soon, if ever. But that's not that's not their goal. Uh, their goal is to have a good show that's profitable, which is what they're doing. And I I don't know where it goes. I don't know where you go. Like you got a company with CM Punk, the American Dragon, Adam Cole, Kenny Omega, John Moxley, Ruby Riot, uh, or sorry, uh, uh, Ruby Soho, Thunder Rosa, Britt Baker. <laughs> like you have, you've got the Lucha Brothers, you've got the Young Bucks, you have a a a roster that is full of people that have fully realized characters and fully realized personalities. And the people that are watching this program care about what happens to them, which is insane. Like that hasn't happened in so long. And it seems so stupid to say that, but it's true. Like wrestling in America has just been this sideshow attraction for so long. It's crazy to have a wrestling company that gives the perform the performers characters and personalities to where the audience is like, I am emotionally invested in Adam page winning the belts. I am emotionally invested in the young bucks losing every single week. I am emotionally invested in Eddie Kingston's rise to the top. This is what they're doing. And it's crazy that it's, it's crazy that giving characters personalities is revolutionary, but apparently it is. <laughs> It's so good. It's so good. <laughs> AEW Dynamite on Wednesdays on TNT. AEW Rampage on it's on Friday. What is it on? Yeah, it's on. It's on TNT. On uh, they're both on TNT until I want to say early next year. Then they're moving to TBS. But they're yes. both on TNT uh, at ten or sorry, uh, eight p.m. Eastern, seven p.m. eight p.m. Eastern, seven p.m. Central. Wednesdays for Dynamite and then uh, Rampage is on Friday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. There you go. There you go. And we are the Wrestling is Everything is Wrestling podcast. We're on Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, everywhere where podcasts you can listen to. I'm Brian Kluger and Tom Nix. Where can they find you, Tom Nix, on the interwebs? Literally nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> you can find him everywhere. I know for a fact. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, find me. But, yeah, just 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 Google Tom Nix or Brian Kluger. You'll find us. We're on Instagram. Yeah. We're on. YouTube. I don't. I barely use Instagram anymore. I don't have Twitter. I don't have Facebook. I just love wrestling and I love my friends. So I talk to them about it. Um, but yeah, that's it. There we go. We love you. I, I love you too. And also to uh, to every other wrestling podcast out there. You're going to get your fucking head kicked in.